1: Most cameras score this as risky driving. Driver Eye understands the context and reinforces great driving like this. Improve safety and reduce driver turnover. Welcome to the Green
0: Zone. Welcome to Drilling Deep. I am your host, John Kingston. We're the place at Freightways where we talk about diesel and oil, and you need to drill to get those things, so we're Drilling Deep. We also have a guest of the week, and this week it's a pair of them, actually, from the customs companies and DDC-FPO. The former has hired the latter to take over a lot of their logistics customer services operation, putting it in Manila or in the Philippines in general, and it's a huge decision for a company to make, and we're going to hear about what led these companies to make that leap. On to diesel prices. I've talked before about the how about excuse me, about how the biggest determinant in the price of diesel at the pump is the price of crude. That will never change. But once you get past that, there are a lot of other market factors. I'm not talking about taxation, that's separate and that is not a function of markets. But there are a variety of spreads that do matter. There is also a variety of short-term local conditions in regional markets. For example, the price of diesel in Milwaukee will key off the spot market price of diesel in Chicago. In Tulsa, they will look to the spot price of a Midwest area known as Group 3. And the entire southeast of the U.S. keys off the Gulf Coast price. What is happening with those markets? Whatever it is, that will make it to the pump. But probably the most important spread is the one between the futures price of ultra-low sulfur diesel and the price of crude. That spread has been on a wild ride for the last four to five years. Let's go back to the first half of 2019. In some ways for the diesel market, that was the last extended six-month period before it was buffeted by a variety of factors. The spread between Brent crude, which is the world's benchmark, and the price of ultra-low sulfur diesel, ULSD, on the CME Commodity Exchange averaged about $0.39 per gallon for those six months. Now, why do I say that was the last time that the spread was quote-unquote normal? Because by the second half of the year, there were signs that the IMO 2020 regulation governing the sulfur content of marine fuel was starting to increase that spread. By the fall of 2019, that spread had risen solidly above $0.40 per gallon, and went over 50 cents per gallon for a few days. I won't go on too long about IMO 2020. We've talked about it before. But let's just say that the pathway to meet the tighter sulfur regulations, tighter sulfur specifications on marine fuel was likely to draw diesel molecules away from transportation and into the marine fuel market. There was well-founded fear among diesel analysts that diesel was going to be in short supply and the spread against crude would be permanently higher because of IMO 2020. And that permanently higher spread ultimately makes its way down to the pump. Then, of course, the world had too much of everything because of the pandemic, and the big squeeze on diesel markets never took place. But by 2021, as the world was coming out of the pandemic, the price of a lot of things went crazy. A lot of refineries, well, excuse me, during, during the pandemic, two big things happened in the oil world. A lot of refineries, particularly in Western countries like the U.S., closed their doors because of weaker demand. And because of construction delays, refineries in other countries that were under construction stopped moving ahead, either to keep their workers safe or because supply chain problems meant that construction had to be delayed. What happened to that diesel to crude spread? It went crazy. After collapsing to under 30 cents for most of 2020, it started to climb in the fall of 2021. Slowly but surely, it went through 60 cents. And 70 cents, representing that much of a premium of ULSD over Brent. By March 22, it was over a dollar. March 2022 was over a dollar. Between April 22, 22 and January 23, just six months ago, it stayed firmly above a dollar per gallon and got above a dollar fifty several times. Since then, it has done a slow downward drift. It hasn't come close to that 30 to 40 cent level from 2019 that I talked about. But the trend has taken it down to where, in the last few weeks, the spread has been firmly in the range of about 68 to 72 cents per gallon. Given how crazy it was for more than three years, this stability is remarkable. Why? Well, there could be lots of reasons. But I think it's notable that the news has been filled with reports of numerous refineries in other parts of the world that are starting to come online. These are the facilities whose construction was delayed by the pandemic and they are finally catching up. So the barrels of refining capacity lost during the pandemic that were supposed to be replaced by the new capacity elsewhere, that capacity is finally showing up in the market. And yet, that spread now at its current stability near 70 cents per gallon hasn't gotten back to that 2019 level, and I think that's where IMO IMO 2020 comes in. All the reasons that people were worried about diesel back in 2019 because of the marine fuel rule are still there. You still need to divert diesel molecules into the marine fuel pool. It's entirely possible that while we never knew how much impact IMO 2020 was going to have on the to diesel spread back in 2019, and we never really got that test in 2020 because of the pandemic, we're finding out now just how big that spread might be. I hesitate to use the word permanent. Nothing in markets is ever permanent. But could it be that IMO 2020 is going to end up adding about 30 cents per gallon to the price of diesel to what it might have been in the past relative to crude, regardless of where Brent is? That is a simplistic market analysis. But after such a wild ride, you can look at this recent stability in the spread and not think that maybe, maybe we're starting to see signs of a new normal. We want to thank our sponsor this month, Netrodime. Ready to step up your fleet safety? Titan Freight reduced distracted driving by 96% while losing zero drivers after implementing Netrodyne Driver Eye, the leading AI fleet camera system. Go to Netrodyne.com to learn more about how Driver Eye can revolutionize your fleet safety too. Going to move on here now on Drilling Deep. In-house or outsourced? This is a question that confronts so many companies in so many fields, not just logistics. What do you do yourself? What do you hire other companies to do? You can have times when you can have two competitors who offer pretty much the exact same product or service and one outsources a key activity and the other competitor keeps it in and they each think that they've got an advantage in doing so. This question has always fascinated me. So it caught my eye recently when I received a, uh, an announcement that uh, the customs companies, which is a, I, I won't call it a 3PL, we're going to get a description to it in a minute, uh, had hired DDC FPO to be one of their outsource partners or maybe the outsource partners. And I, I really wanted to talk about like, why? Like, why do you do this? Why don't you keep it in-house? And what does an outsource partner give you an advantage of? So we've got people from from both ends of that today to talk, uh, to talk with us here on Drilling Deep. One of them is Joe Clickus. He is the chief experience officer at Custom Companies. And the other is Madison Conway. She is the global marketing director at DDC FPO. We want to welcome both of them to Drilling Deep. Madison, hello, and uh, Joe, hello.
1: Hello, thank you for having us.
0: Hey, John. I think the best way to start first, uh, Joe, why don't you talk about the custom companies and what it is that you do? I'd be happy to. So
2: custom companies, uh, technical term is asset light provider, even though we think, feel, act as a carrier. Um, Our equipment manages first mile and middle mile of all our LTL business that we enjoy. And we have uh, a series of partners, strategic long-term partners across the country that we depend on for that final mile piece. So, uh, you know, 37 years uh, in business, we call ourselves full service because we do everything from volume to less than truckload to expedited. So we got a full array of services, but our pride and joy is, is less than truckload by far. So... As chief experience officer, it's a creative way of saying, uh, I'm in charge of the operation. So I'm the lucky guy who's got to piece this whole thing together.
0: Okay. So, so, Madison, first, then then why don't you talk about DDC-FPO, and then I'll try to put all things together.
1: Sure. Sure. I'd be happy to. So DDC-FPO is the freight-focused business unit of a company called the DDC Group. DDC stands for Direct Data Capture. There are several DDC companies all over the world. We do business process outsourcing for a variety of industries. GDC-FPO specializes in freight, freight process outsourcing. So here in North America, for example, we process one-third of all LTL shipments. Um, We process about 300,000 shipments per day worldwide. So we do everything from freight billing to rate auditing, POD processing, customer service, inside sales, um, IT outsourcing. We do a, a whole range of activities, front, back office, full suite. Basically taking the load off of the carrier so they can focus on their core competency.
0: All right, just so let's go back to that question that I opened up with in-source or outsource. You hire a DDS, DDC, FPO to do some things for you. The question I have is were were these things getting done by somebody else previously? And was that somebody else you or was it another company?
2: It was us. It was uh, you know, we're a proud employer in the Chicago land and Los Angeles markets. You know, we have uh, a lot of resources here in both these markets. A lot of employment opportunity, and uh, I think the uniqueness of the start of this partnership was one: we've had a relationship with DDC for a long while on the the bill entry side, and um, uh, two: I think COVID had a lot of help with that. You know, and uh, I think a lot of businesses struggled with navigating personnel outside of the office to be safe. And being an employer that is very proud to be an in-office employer, and we like we like our folks being here. We're proud to be here in support of our drivers and in support of our dock labor, and and trying to shift all that personnel back to the office. We fought when our competition was allowing those to work from home, so we we struggled a bit. And when you struggle, what do you do? You lean on your partners. You look for advice. And I think it. it it took some time, but, you know, we made the decision to partner with DDC and and give us
0: some help. And it kind of flourished from there. So Madison, why don't you talk about what it is you're going to do for the custom companies?
1: Sure. So we're going to be, we already, as Joe mentioned, are already providing their um, back office freight billing support. Um, and where Joe has seen an area of opportunity to really enhance his operation, and I'm sure he can speak more to the benefits that he's aiming to um to reap from the relationship are in customer service. Um, it's, it's interesting, there's, when you're looking at having customer service in-house versus outsourcing, you wanna look at the quality, you wanna look at the, you still wanna look at the speed, you wanna look at the availability that you're able to provide to your shippers and to their consumers as well. Um, and with DDC, we've been specializing in transportation since 2005. That's actually when we took on our first freight carrier. So we know the industry, we know the market. And as we've expanded our customer service capabilities, we've learned that we also know the lifecycle of the shipment better than most other business process outsourcing providers. So for Joe, we're able to offer those services that not only fill the need for the customer service talent, but also enhance the customer experience so that his staff can, can be reallocated to focus on more strategic roles.
0: Okay, let me ask a question. This is going to sound like a really naive question. And when I've always, when I thought about customer service being outsourced, can an outsourced company care as much as if it's in-source? Because the in-source is kind of like you got the Jersey name right on right? I mean, you work for that company and you're providing service to companies, to to people who are customers of your company. When you've outsourced it, they're just a client. I know. I mean, I know what the answer I'm going to get, but I got to ask it anyway. Do they care as much?
1: If not, they care more. And I'm going to tell you why. So here in the States, being a customer service agent is not is a, a desirable career. It is not a job that many people graduate from college and say that they want to an- answer customer service or customer support phone calls all day, day in and day out. Um, in the Philippines, which is actually where we have the hub of our production, um, we have staff who go to school specifically to be customer service agents. Um, so it is their career. Secondly, our customers know that their brain is in good hands with us. Um, our teams are dedicated. There is no um, there is no sharing between talent. So Joe's team is Joe's team. It's nobody else's team. Um, the backup for volume increases or um, peaks or valleys in the market, they're they're all his team. Regardless, they know his process. They're not going to go to a competitor of his. Um, and a competitor of his is not going to go to his team. Secondly, they work very closely with all of our teams here stateside. So um, they actually take pride in being an extension of the custom company's team, um, and they are so they strive to meet their SLAs, which is their service-level agreements that we set in motion, um, so that each team is focused on achieving the KPIs that mean the most to that company. So Joe can can speak more to how he's um, seeing some of his agents um, of DDCs strive to meet some of those metrics and even be rewarded and receive um, recognition in the office and custom company swag and um, different measures, and they're also educated on the culture of the brand so that they know how to how to serve custom companies clients just as just as Joe does. They know how to talk to the custom companies. Customers, the same way that Joe would want to speak to his customers. So they care They care a very great deal. And then, as I mentioned, our customers, which I hope Joe would echo the sentiment, should know that we care um, about their brands as well. We want to protect their brands because we care about their business and we understand how important that is.
0: I just, I just want to interrupt here before I turn it over to Joe that my prior employer outsourced a lot of customer service to Manila as well. And I did it. I did visit them over there. You know they were really excited about somebody from the U.S. operation coming over to meet them. And, and it is kind of strange to go there and see them starting their day at 8 p.m., as you know, and having lunch at about 1 a.m. But and I'm sure, uh, I'm guessing, Madison, you've probably been over there and you've experienced that firsthand as well. I have. Yeah. Okay, Joe. So uh, talk about the decision to outsource this. This can't be easy. I mean, that this is the kind of thing you you do not do after a week's worth of discussion. I'm guessing. It was probably months in the making.
2: Absolutely, if not years. I mean, you one have to be very comfortable with that partner that you're making that decision with. Um, to to we involve the whole organization before we did this. It was a company wide because that pride. I mean, entry level as much as you know uh, uh, to, to reward you know we're Madison saying it's not the most attractive position, but that's the building block of what we do. I mean uh and that's, that's the the lifeline of our clients calling in there looking for support so it's it's important on the development side for future employees and it's also very important on the customer side for customer retention and, and customer satisfaction so it was a big decision um but i would say you know the decision to do that really stemmed from the difficulty of hiring that entry level amidst covid so we were struggling to get those people in there to to train and to learn and we said You know, if we're going to, we were actually looking at other companies too to help us with our training material. And we said, you know, if we're going to do this, let's have outside eyes looking in. Uh, DDC was building momentum in the space. We were entertaining other options, but having that relationship with them and other segments of the business kind of let them stand out amongst the crowd. Plus, you you only have to meet a few of the people within DDC and really understand. You'll see their passion really quickly um, on what they have with regard to growing uh, the, the staff that they source within the areas that they do and and the business that they provide. I mean, it's exceptional. And, and we, we went down the path of, okay, tell us about our training, audit our training. How would you do this? And that really warmed us up to the fact that, okay, this is a very valuable partnership that will allow us to look more within about what we do and, and complement what we do rather than impede what we do. And that really helped make that decision.
0: Masset, how many people are you putting into this compared to, let's say, how many people were back in the U.S. prior to the shift? Uh, How many people in Manila uh, under DDC, FPO would say, you know, I'm working for the custom companies? Or maybe you've you've just got a whole ocean of people and they might be doing more than one company or are they they dedicated just to uh, the custom companies?
1: No, we do have dedicated teams. Each client does have a dedicated team. Um, so they've got their own their own dedicated um, personnel. It includes agents as well as supervisory staff um, and the training program as well. Um, total in the Philippines, we have about five thousand employees. But those that five thousand is is split across all of our clients. Um, and then of course there are some. We also have some team members in Bosnia and Serbia as well. I don't believe any of Joe's teams are in Bosnia or in the Balkan region, um, but in the Balkan region, for example, is where we really specialize in our multilingual services. Um, so they're doing a lot of the customs brokerage processing work and moving shipments between borders and things like that. But rest, Joe can rest assured that his, his Asians are not being shared with any of his competitors or any other carriers.
0: So Joe, how many people did you have working in this field um, prior to the shift, now those people, I assume you probably tried to find uh, employment uh, within your company somewhere else for them. But how many people were affected versus, let's say, how many people now, you know, in the Philippines can can provide services? Yeah, we never we
2: repurposed or promoted. So in that transition, we had zero layoffs, even in the midst of COVID. We uh, did not lay any folks off. Um, it was it was a kind of a, a very heavy financial investment on him, on us because we did it. But I think the outcome allowed for that opportunity for the employees that were with us, that were looking to advance in it, left us feeling um, very healthy on the side of fulfilling the roles that those, those folks left behind them. So it actually uh, allowed us to stabilize some of those positions as we invested our time and attention on advancements within the company, improved process, improved technologies without worrying about those entry level positions so we kind of turned over that kind of development and and those responsibilities to DDC and we still hire those positions so we have not outsourced 100% of that role we just split that and uh we we're responsible for it, for hiring a portion of it and we rely on DDC to to hire the
0: rest so i would imagine you know you talked about covid but just in general you know 3.6% unemployment It just makes it very hard to hire these positions. Uh, How's the situation over in the Philippines? Uh, Is the pool deep and ready for you to hire people, Madison?
1: So BPO in general is one of the strongest, it's not the strongest industry um, in Metro Manila and other hot regions of the metros of the Philippines, right? So um, like I said before, um, folks go to school for this. This is what they want their career to be in. Um, our, our staff really takes pride in customer service, especially the supervisory staff and upward. And that's where they see their, their upward mobility as they can grow upward within the company, building contact centers, building these teams, building training programs, innovating the technology that they're using and innovating the, innovating the training. A lot of times it comes down to the, to the training that we, we feel roots. We are able to root our quality claims within, um, so yeah, it is a, is a very big, talented talent pool. Um, we don't have ever have any issue getting the this quality of the skills that we need for our clients. Um, we are highly selective. Um, however, we have a rigorous uh, recruitment and training and onboarding process, um, and then we we always promote within. So we actually look at at roles and personnel who have done other jobs, um, still touching freight or maybe have trained in transportation, but haven't touched, for example, Joe's competitors and haven't done maybe customer service to learn the customer service role. Or they're able to learn um, a different type of function within the customer service role and cross train. Um, But we're able to, to really promote within. So that's where we feel like our strongest suit is as far as talent development is looking within our own our own um, reach. And then, of course, we also have very strong ties within the Philippines. So we've been there since 1989. Um, so we are, we are a, a very well-known brand in the Philippines. Um, we're growing our brand in, as well as in the Balkan region and becoming a very desirable employer so that we're able to retain people. We have our 30-year anniversaries where we're giving out um, recognition and awards for tenure and for employees who have been there 30 years, um, and now their kids, now their kids are able to enter our our training programs, which is very exciting.
0: Joe, so there's obviously two ways to measure the success of it. One is you used to spend X on this, and now you spend Y, um, and but the and that's easy to that's easy to measure, right? The, the other question is whether it's working with your employees, excuse me, with your customers, and I have to think that that is the kind of thing that. You just have to be all over all the time uh, to make sure you're getting the right amount of feedback uh, from DDC and from the customers, you know, that is this a success or is it not? And it's, I would imagine that's a challenge.
2: Uniquely enough, like, I think that was one of the things we really had uh, flagged at the beginning. Like, how are we going to measure this? We were worried about, we were highly focused on the ROI, which I think I wouldn't quite recommend if I were to reapproach it again because in in trucking so much of efficiency comes from improved process and that's hard to measure financially. You know, you you look back and you say, you know, on a payroll side and the business that I'm doing today, and you put all that together. And I think in the end, what we gain the most is focusing our time and attention away from how many colleges is my my recruiter that I have on staff seeing today and what are those applications coming through so we could fill that funnel of not only entry level responsibility for 3PL support for general call support for all these roles but also those future potential managers so i'm developing and mentoring and advising so i have those working up the ranks i could turn my attention to those few that i get that really want and need and desire to achieve i results in in supply chain versus the 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 high li- the, the many roles that I have to fill the the clients that I have and the responsibilities that exist there, I could kind of say, I was able to say, push those, hey, DDC, I'm trusting you with this, do this for me by them taking that off my plate. It's very hard to measure that return on investment by them taking out that responsibility. And I could echo, I mean, I I traveled out there. I got to see firsthand the schooling that these individuals, because I I wanted to make sure that the quality was there because The quality probably uh, was one of our other concerns to make sure that that person is well-spoken on that phone, that they understand the passion that we have for trucking. And they could relay that because I think a caller, whether a small client or large client could really, they can feel that through the phone. And if that feeling is different from the people that I trust within my office, that's going to create a lot of issues. And we were very surprised at that feeling the clients were actually raving about the people that they were dealing with. And then when I got to see it firsthand and exactly what she said, the passion they have for working for us and the schooling that they get, it made me feel more comfortable. And now we don't even, we, we say that we have an office in the Philippines. We don't even say that we go through an outsourcing company. To us, that's our office. Those are our employees and we're proud
0: of them. Um, Matt, and Madison, is, is trucking and logistics a growing area for what you do?
1: Um, I For DDC-FPO, it's the primary area. So for the for the DDC-FPO business unit, we've been serving trucking since 2005. Um, we serve 50% of the top-ranked carriers in the States. Um, so we are continuing to grow within transportation logistics, servicing different modes, um, servicing different parts of the logistics journey, um, servicing everything from, uh, you know, I mentioned before, kind of back office, admin, finance. And now we're getting more into IT and, and app development. We recently, um, a couple of years ago, launched a technology product to the marketplace um, that's quite different than just an outsourced service. It's really not an outsourced service at all, um, but it's an actual technology product. And that is rooted um, from, our in- from our industry experience and our subject matter expertise within um, shipment data and dealing with shipment data. I would say it's 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 really the core focus for the DDC FPO business unit.
0: Well, the irony is that I went out to dinner last night with some former colleagues again and my prior employer, and we actually talked about the Manila operation a little bit. And so this has been this has been fun to kind of trip down that memory lane last night. And also, as I'm asking these questions about your operation, I'm, I'm thinking about the the time I visited there. And and Madison, you can confirm this. They are genuinely excited when somebody comes over from the company that they serve. Is it? Wouldn't you agree with that?
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: So so, such good people, John, such good people.
0: Well, speaking of excited, I've been excited to have the both of you today here on Drilling Deep. Uh, We want to thank Joe Clickus, the Chief Experience Officer at Custom Companies, and Madison Conway, Global Marketing Director of DDC-FPO. They have tied up in a customer service uh, arrangement, and uh, it's been great to talk about it. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much. John, thank you for the time. You have been listening to or watching uh, Drilling Deep here. We are part of the Freightcast family of podcasts and Freightways. You can find us now on YouTube under the Drilling Deep channel. You can find us also on all the leading podcast platforms. I've been your host, John Kingston, and please join us again. We want to thank our sponsor this month, Netrodime. Ready to step up your fleet safety? Titan Freight reduced distracted driving by 96% while losing zero drivers after implementing Netrodyne Driver Eye, the leading AI fleet camera system. Go to Netrodyne.com to learn more about how Driver Eye can revolutionize your fleet safety too.